Good morning, good morning. I'm going to go ahead and get us started. Amen. Good morning, Identity Church. I, we got the live stream going, everything good, awesome. Well, welcome everybody that is here. Also, for everybody that's on our live stream, I hope uh, everybody's had a great week. It's been a busy week. I was actually telling Betty and a few, and Sonia, that, you know, it's a blessing to have things to do. I mean, we need to have things to do. You know, I've, I've heard, you know, I always think it's funny. You'll walk up to somebody and the first thing they'll go is you'll say, do you have a good week this week? Oh, it was so busy. It was so busy. And you don't know whether or not that was good or bad. I mean, you really don't. So I'm just going to take it that it was good, right? But do you know that it is a good thing for us to have things to do? You know, it keeps us young. It makes us... It makes us kind of say, I got something to live for. I got something to go forward with. So don't let anybody give you this Western mentality of retirement or, or I've got to get, you know, I've got to get myself to the point where I've got so much money that I just get to go sit on a beach, you know, and drink uh, whatever your favorite drink is. But I will tell you this, that's okay for like two weeks, but go back to work after that. Okay, but so we're going to talk about work today. Oh, man, work. What was that, Dad? What was that, the, the McGillis guy or whatever back in the 60s? It was the guy that played uh, Dobie Gillis, and he was, they would say something about work, and he'd go, work? Maynard G. Krebs. That guy... I, I, I've only seen like a handful of those shows, but I always remember he would go, they would say something about, well, let's go to work. He'd go, work? Like it was a bad thing. You know, for years I've, you know, we've been in, we've, we've went to church with people. We've, we've, I've known people throughout my, my church life that, you know, it was like, oh, well, we don't need to have works of the law. And I'm totally agreeing that you don't need to go back to the Levitical law and go and pull it up and, you know, where it says that, you know, if you, if you wear a shirt that's mixed with linen and, you know, something else that you're stoned to death. That's a little bit, that's a little bit outside of where we're at in, in the United States of America. Now, you may be going... Well, Dusty, why did that even get put in the Bible? And I've said this before, so you're just going to have to you know, go through it with me again. But when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they had, they had these big long beards, and they, had, uh, that, and they did them certain ways. Uh, I call them a bow staff or what. It was like, it's like they, they had to tie them up a certain way. They, they wore different cloaks that were mixed with different kinds of linen. They had different kinds of foods that they ate. There was a lot of stuff that God was trying to get out of them. Okay? Can I get everybody to kind of go, okay, I think I, I, think I kind of see that? Okay. Do you know that, that if I was trying to get you out of a concentration camp, I would put some strict boundaries around you. I would, I would try to go to the opposite 
of where you were at. If you were a POW and every day they told you that, you know, communism was great and you'd been brainwashed and all this other stuff, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to teach you about something else. I'm going to teach you about capitalism or I'm going to teach you about God because most of those places, they're godless. Well, they were in a POW camp. For the last 100 plus years, Israel was in a prisoner of war camp. It was called Goshen. Now, it was great up front, and it was designed by God for those 400 years for them to not be killed. Okay? Go back to Genesis chapter 15. We can go do a whole teaching on that. But God put them in Egypt for a particular purpose. That was so. In fact, scholars actually call Egypt an incubator. How many people know that when, that when uh, that Herod was killing all the kids, where did Jesus go? Egypt. Egypt is known as an incubator. It's a place of protection against those that are evil in the land. You may have gone, well, who was evil in the land? Well, you had Canaanites and the Amorites and the, the Jebusites and all the, the, the Hittites and all those people that were running around in that land that we now call Israel. So God went and put them in Egypt. Now, the last hundred or so years, there was a king that did not know Joseph, and he went through and he completely turned Israel, the, the whole nation, about four million of them, into slaves. Okay? They were, they were building stuff like, you know, big palaces and everything. But my point behind this is, is, that, is that when people talk about the works of the law, they're talking specifically about like our constitution. It would be Israel's constitution or sets of laws that they had to abide by to be a part of the kingdom of Israel, the, the government of Israel. Does that make sense to everybody? I want to make sure before I move on from this point that the Levitical law was designed for two parts. It was one of them to show that you can't ever get away from sin, but also don't ever go back to Egypt. I feel like maybe I, I hit a speed bump there. I'm going to back up, okay? The law was created so that, so that people would know what you're doing sin, okay? And it has to be atoned. But on the other side of that, it would be just like in Alabaster here that it's 35 miles an hour going down this road right here. First Street, Southwest, right here. You go, you go above 35 miles an hour, the Alabaster Police Department gets to pull you over and give you a ticket. You atone for your sin by paying them 150 bucks. It may be more than that now, but... If you actually break the law, you have to atone for your sin. Ta-da! That's what happened. And see, that's what we, that's what we think. Or, well, let me, let me back up. That's, that's not what we think when we actually, people start talking about, oh, well, it's the works of the law. You're trying to bring the works of the law against me. 
I have to do something in order to make God happy. No, God's, God's just as happy as he's going to be with you because you accepted Jesus Christ. He did away with, with this. It's the vertical and the horizontal. Okay? The vertical is, is when I got saved, Jesus Christ, he made me and God all right. He actually made him my father. I've, got, I've been brought into the family as a son. Y'all have been brought into the family as sons and daughters. All of that was taken care of. It's just like I've said plenty, plenty of times. I can do a lot of things that make my dad mad, but he's still going to love me because I've tried real hard throughout my life. He still lets me come over. He still, he still will throw a hot dog on the grill if, if I'm hungry. My dad loves me irregardless of what I did. Jesus made it to where God loves you irregardless of what you did as long as you believe. Woo! That is good news because that means that I'm not running down the street every day going, did I sin? You know, there's a lot of people that did. I actually broke my rededicator. Anybody know what a rededicator is? I did. I actually broke it. I would, I would go every single night and say, Jesus, save me again. Jesus, save me again. Jesus, save me again. To the point that I said, if I didn't get it once, then I guess I'm just going to hell. I don't know if anybody's ever been there, but I was. In 2008, I literally cried every day because I thought I'd sinned against my father in a way that he would never take me back. Because I would go and read Hebrews chapter 10 and chapter 11, and I didn't understand it. Because it would say, oh, if you willingly go back and break the break the law, if you willingly go back and sin, then now there is no more sacrifice for you. And I used to go, wow, I willingly sinned today. I, I, I literally said, God, I'm sinning. This is going to happen. I'm mad at somebody. I'm going to get mad at them. I'm going to let them know what I think, and I don't care what anybody thinks about it, and you're just going to have to hold on. Y'all ever been there? I have. I've been there where I was like, God's going, don't do it. And I go, guess what? It's about to happen. They're going to know what I'm all about by the time this is over with. And God goes, it's going to take a long time to get you out of it. Do you know that, do you know that this was the most important thing? And I'm going to tell you, I don't know why I'm on this, but let's just keep going with this for a second. Do you know that when I started read, reading Hebrews chapter 10, 9 and 10 and 11 and I put it all into one context, it was about that, that the Israelites could not go back to the law. Jesus broke it forever. Do you know that, that they can't even go and atone for their sins? There is no more sacrifices that happen for them. Once that became apparent to me, I quit asking to get saved and I just started saying I'm sorry. I'm telling you, this is powerful. Because if you ever are sitting there going, I need to know more. I, I've got, you know, I'm chasing after God. Well, guess what? You're chasing after foolishness because he's standing right beside you all the whole time. God never, ever, ever leaves. Nor he forsakes you. Do you know that this is a, this should be something that should be taught in every church? 
It's not being. Because guess what? There's a little bit of power that comes along with me standing up here and going, what'd y'all do, you dirty dog sinners? Well, you know, y'all just need to come back here and we're going to get you right. You know what? I can't get you right. All I can do is get you the word. And the word, if it can't get you right, then you ain't, you ain't going to get right. Because Jesus is the only sacrifice that we ever have for our sins. It has to be a staple because if you're rededicating and rededicating and rededicating every single day, then guess what? You're not going to go very far. You're never going to get beyond. You know, Paul actually said, let's go beyond just the, the small base things. Let's move into something that's a little bit more, that's a little bit more meat than milk. You know, if I went to a church every single day and all they said was, you got to get saved and you got to get saved and you got to get saved and you got to get saved. Well, you know, the church is not the, the mechanism to get people saved. Oh, I felt some people go, what? <laughs> the church, the church was designed for one purpose and one purpose alone. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. This is a family and a body of just preachers that are going to go out into the street and they're going to preach in their world and they're going to get people saved and set free. I don't have enough of me to be able to go around. I can't come to your work. I can't come to your family. I can't do all that kind of stuff. That's awesome if I actually am able to do that. And I will try my best. But do you know that you affect more people than I'll ever affect. Man, I'm going to tell you what. There's some good preaching going on here. You know, there needs, to be, there needs to be an opportunity in every single person's life to say that what we learn here, I'm going to go take it out and give it to someone else. That's the way it needs to happen every single day of your life. Because you're going into your world and you're being equipped and you're able to take on hell itself. Amen? Where am I at? I'm going to have to go... Oh, working out our salvation. Okay, we're going to talk about working out our salvation. Because, you know, I used to believe that you didn't get salvation. That you didn't get saved. That you didn't get all this different stuff until you worked it out. I had to do something to work it out. In order to get saved, I got to work something. Well, guess what? has nothing to do with being saved. Of course, we've got our choose life scripture. It says, therefore, choose life that both your descendants may live. You and your descendants. You know, God has been telling us to choose life a long, long time. All the way since Adam. He gave them the opportunity not to choose death. He said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... You will die. Well, guess what? It's happening in my body and in your body every single day. It doesn't matter. I don't have enough faith to be able to live two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred years. It, because that's not what that's not what we're gonna do. We all gonna die unless Jesus comes back tomorrow. Right? There's gonna be a point to where we're gonna have to go, we're we're gonna go on to be with the Lord. And you know what? That's okay. 
Because if we choose life, it's not only for us, but I get to send Caleb and Kaylee off into the world, Harper Grace. You know, I have a goddaughter called Harper Grace. Do you know that what's so awesome about this is that I would have treated her like my daughter even if Amy and Matt had never even said, you're, you're the godfather. And I am, I'm the godfather. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to make you an offer that you can't refuse. You'll be sleeping with the fishes if you don't. You know that this is life that is going to be projected into the future. I can die tomorrow. And my life and the choices that I've made, they're going to continue. I can see them. I see the fruit of my labor because I chose. You know, it's funny because if we love and are loved by God, we have a relationship with God. You know that all of these things causes life to just happen automatically. I don't even try anymore. You know, I have my son and my daughter preach to me more than I preach to them now. I literally sat there the other day. Caleb and I went and got some food. I come back. I had a meeting like in 30 minutes. I'm sitting there eating on my rib or whatever it was that we were eating. And Caleb was just preaching to me. I was like, I'm not going to stop him. Keep going. Hallelujah. Because life is coming out of his mouth. You know, this is where we live if we choose life. Because we just, we're just in the midst of the greatest situation that we could possibly be in. You know, if we have, if we trust him and have faith in him, he's going to bring a lot of things to pass. Psalms 37, 4 and 5 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you his desires. And then verse 5 is like just awesome. And he says, he'll bring them to pass. He'll bring it. He's going to do it. But I got to be malleable. I got to, I got to delight myself in order for to do this. Man, I am so far off of my message this morning. I don't even, how did I get here? Where am I at? What's going on? Okay, we're going to talk about this. But last week I kind of went through this. Salvation and saved are two different things. I want you to understand this. You got saved. It was irreparable. Jesus came in. He turned you around inside out and upside down. You now are a part of the family of God 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you became a new creature. You guys are creatures. I'm just going to tell you straight up. And you're new. It was something that you weren't before. And see, this is the thing. Salvation, though, it has to do with the mind. And we saw in the armor of God, and Heather told me I will do a further teaching on the armor of God. She said, that was great. You, you needed like a whole couple of sermons to go through all the stuff that you said. I will do that. But for today, the reason why we put on the helmet of salvation is because we are renewing our mind every single day. This is not a work. This is, a, this is who we are and this is how we interact with God on an every single day basis is that we're perfectly fine in our spirit. He made us renewed in our spirit. But you know what happens? Our mind has all this junk that comes along with it. Go turn on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, or, or just go read something on the internet. 
it will try to jumble your mind up. And I said this before, but Kenneth Hagin said, hey, a thought will always be like a bird. It will fly across your, over your head. But you're the one that keeps it from making a nest in your hair. You have to be the one that says, nope, thought, you're going to get out of here because that's no good. Amen. We're not going to go over that again. But I do want to say that soteria, which, by the way, my English teacher wife said I spelt it wrong the last time. So I have went back and fixed all that. But soteria in the Greek is peace and health and prosperity and righteousness. When we renew our minds, that's what we get is peace and health and prosperity and righteousness. How about, let's say it with me. This is a little bit like, um, you know, back at Door of the Explorer. You know, it's like, soteria in the Greek is peace and health and prosperity and righteousness. One more time. Peace and health and prosperity and righteousness. Do you know that you can have that every single day? You can have peace and health and prosperity and righteousness. And it, it's, it's there. You know, your right standingness with God, it gets faltering all the time. That's why my rededicator got broke all the time. It's because in my mind, I had this other teaching that was telling me that if I willingly sinned, that there was no more sacrifice for me. You know what? I didn't need a sacrifice by the law. I needed the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who did it once. He's not getting put on the cross every single time that you have sin. His blood is no longer flowing. His blood was put on the mercy seat one time. You're going to see Jesus Christ just like his disciples did. And he said, he told Thomas, he said, put your finger through the hole. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, well, there's more blood coming out, Lord. No, his renewed body, he's going to say, hey, I've got no more blood to give. I've, I've, I have given it all to cover your sins once and for all. Amen. Amen. We talking about the works today? Okay, let's talk about some works. All right. We're going to work out our salvation. How about this? Yeah, this is... There's some graphics on here that you got to, you got, this is the way most people work out their salvation, okay? Either they just stand in front of a mirror and go, grrr, or they actually lift it and it falls back on them because they don't understand working out your salvation. In fact, Philippians chapter 2, Philippians, by the way, is by far my favorite book in the Bible, okay? All the rest of them are my favorite book too. But Philippians chapter, chapter 2, this one right here hits the nail on the head. It says in verse uh, 12 of Philippians 2, it says, Therefore, my beloved. So this is Paul talking to uh, Philippi. And it says, As you have always obeyed. So he's talking to people who have obeyed God. He's not, hey, this is a love letter from Paul, by the way. You go read Philippians uh, chap chapters 1 through 4. This is Paul writing a flat-out love letter like I've never seen to anybody. Most of the time, Paul is writing to a church and going, guys, y'all are going to have to get it together in this area. He didn't do that at all for Philippi. He came in and said, you guys have been obeying. You're doing the right things. 
but I'm going to help undergird the things that you're doing. I'm going to let you know how awesome God is going to use you and the things that are going on in your life are just going to continue to be a blossom. And it says, it says, therefore, my beloved, Paul really likes them, as you have always obeyed, not, as, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. I mean, Paul's in jail at this point. Okay, this is like the second time he's went to jail. Paul's there, he's writing letters. And he said, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I put down here, it's, uh, I'm not even going to try to say this word. Just mom put it up on the screen for them. But it's, it's basically a compound word, and it's cardigets, uh, oh my, zomai. And basically, this word means to finish. It means to prepare. It means to fashion, not like, you know, this is the fashion that's going on right now in, you know, in, in France. No, this is, means that I'm bending, I'm, I'm forming. She just now got it, right? <laughs> I don't think it's brains coming out. It's his hair. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no... No morons were hurt in the making of this film, okay? Anyway, it, it probably did hurt. But basically, to work out your salvation means that, and this is, this is a word that everybody needs to understand because when you're working your salvation out, this right here means that you are working it out. I am forming in my mind, my will, and my emotions, the promises of God. See, this is what is so awesome about this verse in these scriptures is the fact that it says that every time I read the word, it's reforming a part of something that I might not have believed. It's reforming in me a way of looking at my life. Do you know that, I mean, you can go talk to my parents. I am a different person now than I was 20 years ago. Amen to that. Amen, Amen to that. Heather will even tell you that. My in-laws definitely, they were like, ooh, I, did, I didn't know if I was going to, I was believing God for you, Dusty. But do you know that this right here was, was something that it took time in me. I had to walk and work out my salvation in my mind, will, and emotions. Every single day. There'd be some days it'd be like, I got it, Lord. You don't have to tell me anything else. I'm going to, I can march on hell with a water pistol like they used to say. Well, you know what? I would get not even to, to the gates of hell and somebody would just say something negative to me and it would just cause my day to go into just a tailspin. Well, you know what? Now I go, eh. God loves me, then who can be against me? Do you know that I, I literally spend less time thinking about what other, what other people think about me? That's, amazing. That's an amazing statement because I really think that most people don't have that kind of life. I didn't have it until several years ago. 
I was constantly worried. What is somebody going to say about me? You know, when, when I, I didn't start preaching right away, how I got into public speaking was at work. Somebody said, you're kind of dynamic. You're able to speak well. You understand, you know, technology. You understand how the business works. We would like for you to go and do some just basic speeches. So I would go around to the, you know, talk to the FBI or I'd go talk to, to NERC or CERC or one of these other government agencies and I'd have a PowerPoint presentation like this and I'd be standing up there and I'd be like, hey guys, how's things going today? And I would give my information and everybody thought it was good. But I had a guy that works in the company, kind of a mentor. He said, what you said was good and how you said it was great. He said, but I noticed that you also talked about how you thought things about what people thought about you while you were speaking. Like, like you, you went ahead and projected onto the audience that, hey, I know I'm just crazy up here or I, you know, I'm having to do uh, you know, some sort of gymnastics to make people, you know, think that I'm not as good as I might think that I am. It's a self-deprecating humor. That was the only humor I had for the longest time. Is if I couldn't self-deprecate, I didn't have much humor to go with. And he said, you know, you have something to offer people if you would just get out of your own way. Whew. Well, you know what? Our salvation is the exact same way. That if we would just start thinking like him and acting like him and being like him and listening like him and acting and going through our whole day like him and got ourselves out of the way, then we would be the best version of ourselves. Not letting people rent space in our heads. You know, I've got plenty of opportunities. Even this week, there was things that, that I was sitting there going, Lord, what do we do? Where do we go? And the Lord said, quit letting it rent space in your head. I'll let you know when we need to do something. You know, that's a hard thing. You know, you think it's easy just to say, eh, I'm not going to worry about it. But do you know that that when I work out my salvation, I have to work harder to actually believe God than I have to to believe what the world's throwing at me. There's an amen in there somewhere. Because it's hard to believe God. Especially when our flesh is going, Ah, it looks bad out here. Yeah. It's hard to go, Lord, you sure you don't want me to worry about this? Are you sure you don't want me to do something about this? And he goes, keep moving. You know, it kept popping back up to me uh, this week because, you know, all of the scriptures like 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and um, even like Philippians chapter 3 where Paul said, I've run my race and I've fought a good fight. I've done all these different things. And he, he was basically telling all of these churches, the Corinthian church, the Philippi church, all of them, he told them that if you don't give up, you will win. You mean if I just continue, then I win? Yeah, if you continue, you will win. 
That is a biblical fact. If you continue, you will win. Continue, win. You know, when I'm working out my salvation, sometimes it means I just got to, when something comes against me, I got to go back and get the word and jam it back in there where the world was trying to put something in, in front of me. I got to get my eyes on something other than my circumstance. And it says here in verse, and, and that's one of the reasons why fear and trembling here, where it says work out your salvation with your own salvation with fear and trembling, is because believing God sometimes is hard, especially when I'm seeing the circumstance. And it says in verse 13, for it is, it is God's work, for it is God who works in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. That means that if I just keep going, he's going to get his good pleasure out there in front of us. But I can't stop. I can't just allow things to happen to me. I've got to see his word. I've got to see his promise. And it says here in verse 14, it says, do all things without complaining and, dis and disputing. Okay, everybody just needs to leave now because that's one of the hardest things. Lord, I mean, I, I still, this is one of them that God is talking about. I will actually go, are you sure, Lord? Lord, I just want to complain for a second. And he stops and he goes, okay, you can complain. You know that I need to get better at this. But it says here in verse 15 that you may become blameless and harmless. Well, what am I being harmless about? Not harming yourself. Man, I, I want to I say that again. We will become blameless in front of people, but we also won't harm ourselves. We'll get ourselves out of the way. It means that when we work out our own salvation, we will continue in a path that will get us to the next level. But if we don't, if we don't, if we don't move ourselves out of the way, we will get stuck in one spot. And it says that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you will shine as a light in the world. Hold fast the word of life. That means I'm supposed to hold on to that more than I hold on to anything else. Have you ever just bear hugged something? I remember years ago we were at a camp and we had this thing and you would jump out over the water. And I mean, I knew I wasn't going to be able to hold it like this. So I bear hugged it. I had it and it let me and I went over the top of this thing. And that rope stretched all the way down and my little tiptoes were like touching as I was going through there. But I wasn't letting go because there was rocks. You know, we got hold on to truth to keep us from hitting the rocks. See, this right here says that if we hold fast in the life so that, that I may rejoice. He's actually talking about Paul here. He's saying so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in labor or labored in vain. Let, let me just tell you this. I, I'm with Paul on this. Every time I see somebody that says, you know, hey, I did, you know, this word popped up to me. Or, or hey, every time uh, something's going on in my life, you said something and I've been doing that and it's just brought life. 
It means I didn't do this in vain. It means that when it starts happening in your own life and you start reading the Word of God and you start seeing victory, you don't see that it was vain for you either. See, this is a, this is a progression. Every single time I see the Lord work in my life, I don't see it as something that was just a vain thing that I did. Oh, I read my Word today like I always do and it didn't do anything for me. You know, that's one of those harmful things. We start becoming callous about what God is doing. You know, sometimes you're planting seeds for later on. You know, and it takes work. You know, I think it's kind of funny because this past week, you know, Brock, he's got a garden. He brought me uh, these it was scorpion peppers, right? Carolina Reapers, even worse, Okay. So he brought them to me, and I like to make, um, you know, pepper vinegar. You know, I like to put, chop them up, put them in a little bit of vinegar and all that kind of stuff, and I put it on all kinds of stuff. Well, Brock actually double-dog dared me to actually take a slither of it and eat it. I did. I did. I did. And the fruits of his labor is hell. Okay? And he's like, Yes. Yeah, that's, I wanted to see Dusty hurt. But do you know that, that in his own life, he just didn't say, eh, I bought some seeds, let me throw them outside and let me see if they come up. No, Brock went and he tilled the ground and he put the seeds in the ground and he watered the ground and when they came up, he did some more stuff, fertilized it and kept going. Now he's got a big garden. He's got all these other things that he's doing. And do you understand that, that when we actually tend and work out our own salvation, we're bringing about some awesome things in our life. We start seeing fruit. Now, Brock is bringing up, you know, hell fruit. It's coming up and it's like, whoa! I mean, I'm pretty sure that if it was next to a peach, it would make it a fire peach. I mean, that thing... <laughs> Woo! I told Brock, I said, I said, I, I didn't, like, he told me to chew it real good. I didn't. I just swallowed it. It was bad. But do you know that when we work out our own salvation, we hold fast unto God's promises? That means that I'm holding on to what he's got. And I'm not letting it go. No matter what's going on in my life, because those are the things that are going to bring about fruit that is going to feed me on the other side of this. So let's talk about faith and works. Because working out your own salvation is one thing. But you know, uh, Martin Luther, when, when he basically separated from the Catholic Church, he didn't want James to be in, in the Bible. He didn't want it to be canonized. And the reason is, is because of this scripture right here. This was the scripture that he said, oh, I just, I don't want this one to be in there. But see, this is what you have to understand is that, is that we have a part to play and that part is this. It says in James 2.15, it says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? 
Now, this is a word that is a business word. The word profit. See, it means that, that I'm not planting anything into anybody. If I see somebody that's naked, destitute, they're not eating. You know what? I'm not going to see any fruit in them. They're, they may even die. Do you know that we have to understand our part to play in faith? If I'm trusting God, and God is saying, hey, I'm bringing you around other people, then I'm trusting you to actually put some seed out there. Give them some of your fruit. You know, I think it's pretty awesome. You know, Brock, when he gave me, uh, you know, when he gave me that pepper, I cut it open and seeds went everywhere. In fact, if you find some seeds, don't touch them, okay? All right. But those seeds could create other fruit trees. You know, there's probably like 15, 20 seeds that popped out of there. You know that when I give away fruit, there's seeds in them. You know, if we teach people that the fruit I'm giving is a seed, and it's, hey, an apple seed has like three or four seeds, you know, a, a peach pit has one seed that's on the inside of I mean, you have to understand that every time I give away the fruit that has been growing in me, I'm giving seeds to plant in someone else's heart. See, this is why God is so much wanting us to not only just work out our own salvation, because that benefits us. But then, when we actually work faith, oh, now I get to go help till somebody else's garden and plant some of the seeds of the fruit that has come out of me. And it says here, because what does it profit? Well, let's just find out. Thus, by faith or as faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. This word works in the Greek is ergonomic. It's where we get the word ergonomics. How many people have seen people that, you know, oh, I've got an ergonomic chair. Or I've got an ergonomic desk. You know, people had carpal tunnels like, oh, I, I was always, or back problems. I was always hunched over. I always had this other problem. Well, all that is is the art of working. That's all ergonomics is. It's the it's the the study of working and how it benefits or it's not benefiting you. But see, this word ergonon right here actually means business, employment, that which anyone is occupied, that which one undertakes to do an enterprise. So Martin Luther was wrong. This is very, very, very important for our faith. Because just like Brock, when he was going out there and he was planting those little bitty seeds and he went and got his hell peppers for me. Do you know that, that in every single time he went out there and he thought about me burning my tongue, he was working. He didn't just sit back and go, ah, we'll just see what happens. Do you know that the same thing is when we give our fruit, it says it right here. But some will say, you have faith, but I have work. Show me 
your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by works. That means that it's my business. I decided that I was going to go till that ground because it's my business to do so. I'm a Christian. By God, when somebody is destitute, when somebody needs something, I'm going to find a way to do it. I'm going to stand in the midst with them and I'm going to help them to get that fruit into the ground. You know that sometimes I think in our society we're, we're so reliant on the government or we're so reliant on medicine or we're so reliant on all these different things that we, we basically, we sort of shun each other. You know, I talk to people all the time at work. I talk to people in ministry and people are like oh I don't want to burden you basically they don't want us to work you know churches are turning into that too churches are turning into uh, non-work environments how, how many things can we can we not do or or can we do and take it off of the people I mean, you go to a mega church, you go walking in there, and most people have never done anything. They just walk in, they sit down, they listen to the message, they go home, they feel good. There's nothing wrong with, with going and listening to the message. But do you know that you're not able to give your gift if you don't go actually deliver it? You're not able to give the fruits that God has put on the inside of you if you don't go help till somebody's ground. This is, a, this is the Christian life that people don't talk about in the Western world anymore. You know, I've seen some people like we have uh, some folks that are in Africa that have went out and done ministry like that. The people just flock to, to work. They flock to work. Oh, there's church, there's work. We're going to go do work. They'll have whole villages turn out to go and they'll go build a place for them to just have a service for a week. And you're like, heck, you can't even get you can't even get people, you know, especially after pandemic, to to even come back to churches. I've got friends that are in the ministry that they had two and three hundred people that was in their church and now they're down to to 40, 50. And you may be going, well Dusty, that's that's, you know, sounds like you're against people being out of church. I'm against people being out of church. If you thought that I was any different and that I was going to peddle some sort of non-work environment, then guess what? You're wrong. Because I believe everybody has something to offer and I believe everybody should be offering it to other people. And this is the way that we're... You know, Pastor Jim McCann, he was a karate guy, so he used to do, this is the training house of champions. That's what Pastor would say, Pastor Jim. Well, you know what's funny about that is, is the fact that we worked. In fact, most of the people that were in that ministry, for they're, they're doing stuff now. Most of us have went out and started churches or started other ministries or have gone and did things. Do you know that, that there was a, there was a reconciliation back to getting people to come and use their gifts. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit shows up and, and happens amongst the people when we get together in a corporate anointing. But see, a lot of people go, well, I just, you know, I didn't think I had that much to offer. 
No, you have the world to offer. You will go and change your world. You are world changers. Absolutely. You just don't know it. You know that most people, when they work out their salvation and they see it, they see it come to manifestation, they're like, I just thought, look at what God did. It was just like it was, woo. You know, just all of a sudden this thing happened. No, you showed up and you did something. It may have been you just listened. It may have been that you went to them every single day and you, while they were destitute, while they were not being fed, and it doesn't even have to be food. They're not being fed the word. They're not being fed the goodness of God. You know, Romans 2, 4 says, it's the goodness of God that brings all men to repentance. That just means that I turned. You hear the goodness of God, it makes you go, where's the goodness? I'm turning towards it. I'm going in the direction of the goodness. You know that, that the goodness of God, that it is calling out for every man. And you know what? You guys are propagators of the goodness because in that, in that full armor of God, we wear the, the actual shoes, the, the coverings on our feet of the gospel of peace. When we go walking into a place, the gospel of peace is with us. We're bringing peace to every situation. You, my friends, are world changers. It is your business to do so. This is not I'm trying to work out my trying to work out being saved. That every day I'm trying to I'm trying to get saved all over again, which is what I used to think. No. My faith is utilizing the things that are in me and I go to work. I go to work every day to make those things happen. And it says here in verse, uh, verse 19, it says, You believe that there is, a, there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Just because you believe something doesn't mean that you're always going to, you're always going to uphold those things. You know that your fruits have to be picked. There has to be a harvest in your own life. You have to say, I receive. You know what? I'm believing God, but if I don't do something about my belief, then you know what? The demons in hell are trembling. They're, they know one day Jesus is coming back and they're going to be in trouble. But you know what? Sometimes we don't believe that because we don't act upon the things that we have been taught. We don't place them in our lives. We don't go to that next level because we'll just stay back. Oh, well, I believe in God, but I just don't think he's got anything for me. Well, that's bull. God has a plan for your life. He has great things for you. And you know what? <laughs> Paul, Paul's a little bit more harsh than me, okay? Or James is a little bit more harsh than me. It says, verse 20, it says, but do what you want uh, do, but do you want to know, O oh foolish man, what faith without works is dead? This is a this is a question. Do you want to know that your faith without works is dead? Most people don't want to know that because well, that means I got to go do something. I got to actually go and do. Yes, yes, you do. 
See, let me tell you, let me tell you what. Jesus was not immune to this. And I'm, I'm going to close with this. Jesus was not immune to this because it says in Matthew chapter 13, verses 54 through 58, it says, When he had come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogues. So they were astonished and said, Where did this man get the wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not the, his mother called Mary? And his brothers is James and, and uh, I guess that's, uh, I almost said Jose. But, um, but uh, Josie and uh, Simon and Judah and his, uh, his sisters, aren't they all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. Uh-oh. They were offended at Jesus? Well, if I'm offended at you, I'm going to cross my arms. I'm not, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Well, you know what happened? This is what happened. It said, they were offended at him. <clears throat> and Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now I want, I want you guys to understand this. How many people want God to just do things against your will? Well, maybe y'all do. But you know what? If, if two families showed up at your doorstep, and you had to take care of them for the next two months, you'd be going, God, I don't want to do this. Because if God just said, hey, this is a good work, and I'm just going to put you to work, then every single one of you would go, God, you're not being a good God. Do you know that, that when it comes to the things that Jesus was trying to do in his own hometown, the people did not believe him. And they did not go to him and they did not receive from him. This is a truth. And he had to actually go out of his own hometown and take people and pray for them outside the city because of the unbelief. And see, that was in chapter 13. But just a, a about a month or so later in verse in Matthew 18, 18 through 20, you see Jesus out there and he had been working with people and he was going into the towns and people were saying, that is the Son of God. There's something about him. And it says in verse 18, Surely I say unto you, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three is gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Do you know that, you know, they were astonished. Jesus, you're doing all these things. And Jesus just flatly tells them, all I'm doing is just agreeing with them and the Father. 
Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm trying to go find these unbelievers and I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to make them, I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to get them set free and I'm going to do all that. No, Jesus said, Jesus actually told the man at the, at the well, the man at, uh, at Solomon's gate, he said, what would you want? And he said, hey, I want the angel to trouble the water so I can go down there and be healed. And Jesus asked him again and said, what do you want? And he goes, I want to be healed. And that was when Jesus healed him. If somebody had said, hey, I don't want you, Jesus wasn't going around healing those people. Well, you know, that wasn't Jesus' that wasn't Jesus's part. You know, and even in our own part, our will plays a lot. Jesus is standing on the precipice of doing whatever you need, but it has to be your will to say, Lord, I receive. You know, when we, two or three of us ask and we're in the midst of him and it's done by our Father in heaven, you know, this was written under Old Testament circumstances. You know, Jesus' life was Old Testament all the way up until the very end. Until he put his blood on the mercy seat, it was still the Old Covenant. It wasn't until that time. And see, what we have to understand is that we have a better promise through Jesus. That means that that I didn't have to go and get with the priest. I didn't have to go and do the other things that, that they were having to do under the law. Jesus gave us full carte blanche for us to be able to go and agree with each other. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, you may be saying, Dusty, I want to work out my salvation. I want to do the works of faith in my life, but I just don't know what to do. There are situations and things that are going on that I have no comprehension about what to do next. That's a great place to be. So I'm going to pray for us. and I'm going to pray so that you're in agreement with this. If you're not in agreement with it, it's not going to happen. But I'm going to pray and agree this one simple thing that we are going to start seeing what we need to be receiving. That the promises of God are going to be made known to us and those that are destitute, those that, that need the word, those that need food, whatever it is that is needed and you're, you're able to do it. I'm going to pray that it is something that just it just snaps with you. And now you can give your fruit and you can plant your seeds. So Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just pray over everybody that's listening to my voice. I pray that in Jesus' name, that this is clicking with everyone, that the works of God through faith are going to be manifest, that we're going to see people that are that are destitute, that are that are hungry, that that need the word, that need something in their situation. They have family members that they have been uh, 
you know, that they've been separated from, that they need healing in their body, that we're going to be able to pray with them, lay hands on them, agree with them, and that we're going to bring them into agreement and that the same heaven that it happens in, the one that our Heavenly Father is in, that it is brought to earth, that it is here with us, that the kingdom of God is not without, it's not something we're looking for, but it is within us, like Luke 17 says, and that we're going to bring the kingdom of God to people in every situation. And that the works of God, that they are just going to manifest themselves in each and every one of us, that there's going to be people that this week are going to need something. This week, there's going to be people that are going to need something. And that this fruit that's in this body is going to supply it and going to help plant seeds into their heart. We just thank you, dear Lord, for a great week. We thank you, dear Lord, that you are just blessing each and every one of us. I thank you for bringing people across our path to tell the goodness of God and about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, too. And I just thank you, Father, that, yes, I'm going to do that. Right now, if you're on live stream and you're saying, I don't, I've never known Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I would like to then it's pretty simple. Romans 10, 9, 10 just says that if we believe and we confess Jesus, that we are saved. So you just say this little prayer with me. Just say, Father, I just right now, I just believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe that He is going to transform my life. And Father, I am now going to live for you as a son or a daughter. And if you said that simple little prayer, then you just became saved. And you're a part of this family. And if you did, I, I just pray that you would send me a note. Send me something online. Send me a message and let me know that because I would like to be able to pray for you and get you information that would help you out. I'm going to pray over everybody as I'm releasing you, Father. I just pray that everybody has a great rest of their afternoon and a great week. I pray in Jesus' name that they're going to be the light unto this world. And I just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.